Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We have a full house today. It's almost as if uh, maybe the Flyers did something. Maybe it wasn't a total disaster. So let's just get right into it. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hankel. I'm afraid, folks. She's there. All right. (laughs) That optimistic Kelly cannot be fucking stopped. You cannot fuck with me after (laughs) yesterday's events. It's over for all of you hoes. The Flyers (laughs) might win the Stanley Cup next season. Maybe. I love this for you. So, simply yeah. because they I'm back. didn't get ripped off for Ivan Provorov. 100%. Want a trade? I can't remember the last time. The Literally the only, the only trade that we could think of that they have won in the last like decade was the Romaldo. Rim- I said Romaldo trade for the third. <laughs> it's only one player with so, Ronaldo. Zach Ronaldo for a third? So winning that, a trade. That was my password in for my a opinion. very long time. Stephanie, don't tell people that. Well, if anyone wanted to break into my defunct SB Nation laptop, <laughs> that was the password. Anyway, yeah, I'm back on my bullshit. Welcome. <laughs> From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey, guys. How's it going? Gotta say, I did not expect to be working like crazy while the Stanley Cup final was going on when the Stanley Cup, when the Flyers are not in the Stanley Cup final. I thought I had like another week and a half of like the summer and instead apparently not. We heard that you were in full hot chuck summer and then you had to come back to earth. Well, the thing that was annoying about yesterday was that I spent all morning yesterday writing a Tony D'Angelo season review. And then the minute I got the season review done, it starts like becoming obvious they're going to trade Ivan Perover up that day. So really, I basically worked two straight days, and I don't even know when the Tony D'Angelo article is going to be published because now obviously the main focus is the Perover up trade. So it was just a really long day. Well, at least you have one in the can. We have. Uh, oh yeah, Steph Delicious D. Steph Driver. I was like, what? How do I intro Steph? Oh. I don't remember. <laughs> the one and only Steph Delicious D. Steph Driver. That's me. Um. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Um, What an adventure yesterday was. Danny Briere has already pulled off things that Chuck Fletcher couldn't, and the season hasn't even started yet. Like, he's not even officially on the clock for the 2023-24 season. That's awesome. And joining us today, from the Fly Purbly, Steve Jacob. Well, thankfully today I have my microphone and my Wi-Fi, so I don't have to be an echoey ghost in the corner or whatever. And I promise not to mess up the show today, or at least I'll try to. But yes, this uh, this Proveroff news really caught me off guard, and I'm very happy about it. And I haven't been happy about the Flyers in a while. And 
I'm, I'm ready to put a little bit of my orange and black believe sign back together. So in case you haven't, in case you haven't heard the uh, details of the trade, Ivan Provorov is now a uh, Columbus Blue Jacket. Look at that. Yet another flyer or should be flyer dressed uh, in those Columbus duds. He is traded uh, initially, you know, because it's a three team deal. Traded initially, Flyers uh, send Provorov and Hayden Hodgson to L.A. for Cal Peterson, Sean Walker, uh, some guy whose name I'm not going to pronounce, and a Kings second-round pick. Then Columbus acquires Kevin Connaughton from Philly in exchange for a 2023 first, uh, 22nd overall, and a conditional second-rounder. And then Columbus acquires Provorov from L.A. after they retain 30% in exchange for Kevin Connaughton. Wow. Uh, like, I I know he was going to get traded. Like, we all thought it was pretty likely. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw it coming before the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs, but when uh, when Kelly and I sat down with Danny Briere, we asked, should we expect an active summer? And if this is any indication, the answer is yes. He said he was going to try, but you need a, you need a dancing partner. Well, he found two right away. I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked that this happened at the time that it did, and I'm also shocked that the Flyers came out on the plus side because that hasn't happened in a while. So two prospects that you know, I guess Hayden Hodgson is he technically a prospect or is he like a quasi? I mean, Flyers he's legend. He's not a prospect, but the Flyers tried to sell him as a prospect. I think is the way to say it. <laughs> right? Like that's not actually. He's not actually a prospect. Remember when? Remember, like remember when like old? Chuck Fletcher and the rest of his front office basically mandated to John Tortorella that he had to keep Hayden Hodgson on the final roster after camp, despite the fact that he showed nothing during camp. And then <laughs> Tortorella watched him for, like, one period and decided, this guy sucks, I'm never going to play him. I sure do. Was, I sure remember that. That was just, like, one of those moments where you're like, these people at the top really just don't know how to identify talent. Like, they just don't. And I think that might have been one of the moments when Tortorella realized just how, like, fucked this situation was. When he's just like, wow, okay, this is a guy who they've been talking up all summer, and he's just not an NHL player. I mean, literally, last year, he was barely an AHL player, which is what he was before the season before. He was in the ECHL, and yet the organization, like, not the entire organization, but key people in the organization convinced themselves that, like, Hayden Hodson was, like, the next coming of Tanner Janot, and that they had to prioritize him, and, well, now he's a throw-in in a trade. Like, that was the moment where Tortorella just put his head in his hands and said, I have the worst fucking front office. Like, that's when he was like, you know what? I'm in charge. Like, (laughs) I will be making these decisions from now on because there's no way this general manager is going to outlast me. Just a 0% chance this guy is here at the end of the year because he thinks fucking Hayden Hodgson is good. Uh, Just, like... the fucking hackstall of GMs thinks bad players are good. That was Chuck Fletcher. But what's your uh, initial? Well, I feel like they tried to make Kevin Connaughton a thing too oh, yeah. at some point, well, right? They like they just... tried to make him like a legitimate, like fourth line play. Like stop they were it. Just, like out of defenseman, right? Like they just had. Yeah, nobody. 
I mean, he played a little bit, but, like, I don't think they ever... Sealer was the guy who, honestly, rightfully, because he was pretty darn good last year, like, he was the depth guy who they actually believed in. I think Connaughton, because Connaughton was a waiver claim. And I think he was just the guy they picked up because everyone got hurt. Which, again, another thing that happened a lot. I think Connaughton was brought in to um, trick people into believing that Ryan Ellis still existed. Oh, okay. (laughs) They have very similar aesthetic. So, like, if, like, in a in a picture, like, if Kevin Connaughton's, like, in the background a little bit blurry, people might be like, oh, hey, look, it's Ryan Ellis. But it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. He was he was Ryan Ellis' double. Yes, exactly. So, with the return for this trade, and everyone seems pretty pleased with the return for the trade, the, uh, the first rounder this year, 22nd overall, that's the headliner, right? It's not this, um... That's a big one. Helge Grands guy. I, I'm not. I don't know. I, no. I so remember that name though, Fox. Helga. No, it's it's <laughs> Helge Helge Grands is how you pronounce Helge his name. Helge. Yes. Helge now, no, he is definitely not the headliner of this deal. Yeah. To the point where when we interviewed Danny Briere after the trade went down around like five thirty, I guess yesterday, um, he admitted that he has never actually watched Helge Grands play. That his scouts have, and they en- and they endorsed him. Danny Breer, he's just like me. But like <laughs> Danny Breer was not trying to peddle some fantasy that like Hell J Grands was this like guy who he's loved for years and he's going to be a stud. It was like nah, he's a good prospect. Our scouts think he's fine, but like he's not a guy I targeted. the The key to this deal really was the first round pick. At its core, I, I think you know one thing I will say and this is maybe throwing a little bit of cold water on the trade, is that it's a good trade. I don't think it's a holy shit trade because it's really two trades. And I think the way it... Like, to me, the exciting part about this trade isn't necessarily the return. It's the fact that Danny Briere showed that he can, A, negotiate, like, with a guy... Like, negotiate a trade... F- trading a guy who hasn't been good for three years. So that's number one. Number two, he showed that he can be creative because the only way to get the return that he wanted for that guy was to be creative because in the end, this is two deals. Really, I know it's a three-team trade, but this should be looked at as two trades that were connected because they both had to be done in tandem for the main trade to get done. The first trade was Columbus gave up a a first-round pick and a second-round pick for Ivan Provorov. The second trade was that L.A. gave up a second-round pick and Hell Grands for the Flyers to take on about $7 million worth of salary for them to facilitate Provorov going to Columbus because Columbus, understandably, was like, hey, we know you want a first and a second-round pick for Ivan Provorov. We like Provorov. We don't think Provorov at a $6.5 million cap hit is worth a first and a second round pick. Now, Provorov at a $4.75 million cap hit is worth a first and a second, but we're not doing that for him at 6.75. So, Briere got LA involved, had them cut down on Provorov's cap, and then did the deal. So, like, while you could look at it on one hand that this is, wow, he got a first, two seconds, and a good prospect for Ivan Provorov, that's not really true. It's more that he got a first and a second for Provorov, which still, great return considering how bad he's been for a year, for three years. 
And then he gave, he got a prospect and another second for basically clearing up LA's cap crunch, which that's not the greatest deal because like probably could have gotten a little bit more given the fact he was taking on $7.6 million worth of salary. However, the reason why he I think he took on a bit less to do that is because by doing that deal, it allowed for the Proveroff deal to get done where he was getting back more than he should have. So it all sort of balances out, which again talk, speaks to the creativity necessary because like, what would Chuck Fletcher have done in this situation? He probably would have been like, well, nobody wants Proveroff, so I'll just take a second round pick for him. And instead, Danny was like, no, this is what Proveroff is worth on the market because this is like a first and a second is like the baseline for what top four big minutes defensemen get in trades. I'm not taking any less than that. And if I have to do some interesting things to ensure that I get that for this guy, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I like about this trade. Not necessarily that the Flyers like hit a grand slam home run on the return when you look at all of the things involved, but it's the fact that he was creative enough to get a good return on a player who like, shouldn't have really had high value given the way he's played and given the fact that everyone around the league knew that the locker room didn't like him. Everyone around the league knew that the coach, that he didn't like the coach. Like, there was a lot going on here that really should have torpedoed Proveroff's trade value, and Briere still found a way to get a return. That's why I'm excited about this trade. Yeah, the uh, what he's able to piece together in this trade, I think, like, yeah, 22nd overall pick, cool. Good job. Way to go. Needed more, need more first-round talent. They're going to be able to get some. But just the, like, understanding different, like, teams and different things that are going on in their organizations. Like, hey, L.A. needs some cap space because they want to retain a defenseman that they acquired at the trade deadline. They don't have that cap space. How can we finagle this? Okay, let's get them involved. Like, it just shows... All of that creativity that we hoped yes. he would have that Chuck Fletcher was so se- so severely lacking. Uh, I think what this like says about what could be for the rest of the summer is more exciting than what they're getting back. What they're getting back is good. Way to go. Happy for you. But it just shows like, all right, we're not going to get ripped off for Kevin Hayes. You know, like it, Kevin Hayes is going to be a difficult trade to make when they if and when they pull that trigger. But it's not going to be giving away a guy who just is, like, the way they've talked about him, or the way we've talked about him, like, oh, man, Kevin Hayes sucks. No, he doesn't. <laughs> like, no, he, no, doesn't. he yeah. doesn't. He's still a good player. And, like, they're going to get something back. They're going to figure out something for the Kevin Hayes situation. If they end up trading Carter Hart, okay. I think it'll actually be that crazy haul that Danny talked about when he talked to Kelly and I in our interview. Like, it won't just be, oh, well, you know, uh, he's a free agent in a year, so we wanted to, or, you know, his, his contract's up in a year, we wanted to move him. Like, they'll actually get the crazy haul if they do end up moving him. Yeah, so here's the thing. Like, this is this is why I'm fully back on my bullshit. Like, Bill, <laughs> you and I talked about the fact that with both Jonesy and Breer, we have nothing to base an opinion yep. on. We have nothing to be positive or negative about. And what this did was, out of the gate, the first thing that we have from these two guys is objectively good, objectively a win for the Flyers. And I think that the organization 
desperately needed him to knock the first thing he did out of the park. Not only because, obviously, we're in dire straits as far as, like, you know, the hockey team, but also because, you know, fans are justifiably not completely on board, and a lot of people found this to be, as we discussed, another same old, same old Flyers move to hire these two guys. And this kind of gives us a little bit of like, okay, well, maybe this is going to be different because when was the last time the Flyers did a three-way trade with anybody? Like, when was the last time a Flyers general manager did something creative, pulling in a third team just to take on South? Like, all of it is just a very not Flyers set of moves. And that's like a very good thing for all of us, I think, heading into the summer. I think yeah, Kelly, I've had to keep reminding yeah. myself that this is a new GM. This is somebody that we haven't seen before, that the moves are new because people keep wanting to despair. I mean, th- going into this offseason, this is pretty much my lowest point as a Flyers fan of my entire life. So I've had to keep reminding myself that this is new and something different. And this is a great first step to really show me that they're trying some different things and trying some creativity. Well, I think what, and I I actually don't think that the, I don't think that the organization at large, particularly the people at Comcast, like fully grasped this until the JVR thing happened. And this is why the JVR thing, while it maybe shouldn't have been the last straw, it really was. I don't think they realize the fact that the entire fan base had lost it didn't just lose confidence in Chuck Fletcher as a GM. They lost confidence in his base level competence to do literally anything right. Yep. Like yep. it was gone. And that's why the JVR thing was was so much like that's why and like I have a feeling that there were people in the organization that were kind of apoplectic. Like John Tortorella, for example, is still apoplectic that like Fletcher got so much shit for not trading JVR because he's like, well, what do you want? What did you want him to do? Nobody wanted him. And the thing was that, like, I understand why why John Tortorella only being here for one year would look at the situation and be like, that was an irrational response. But what the JVR thing stood for for a lot of people is that, like, Chuck Fletcher can't do fucking anything. And because he hadn't, like, all of his moves flopped like in the previous like two, three years. And then it was like, and you can't even trade the guy with an expiring contract with multiple 30 goal seasons at the trade deadline. Like there's that thing that literally is just a matter of you taking calls and you can't even do that. And the thing was, is that fans kind of got themselves into this feeling of like, our GMs are like, they're not just bad. They are like, grossly incompetent to the point where they can't do fucking anything. And the thing that this trade does is it restores faith in the base level competence of the people running the show because that was gone. I mean, like, I don't think, and I think this is in part why, like, the, the town hall thing actually probably played a role in Fletcher ultimately getting fired when he did was that, like... If finally the the combination of the response to the JVR trade, non-trade, and then the town hall, it really like finally turned the light bulb on with ownership of like, holy shit, like they think this guy like just like can't even tie his shoes. Like they think he's that bad. And 
we need to move on because like the faith it like the faith isn't just gone it's like negative 100 and now we're maybe back to zero which is like <laughs> it's it's amazing because like no, like people are so excited that the gm of the flyers finally did something that wasn't awful or finally did his job well now it's it's funny like yes maybe the jvr response was as you put it irrational but like, Torts, you're sitting there coaching this team every night. This is the team he put together. Second year in a <laughs> row, they're like one of the five worst teams in hockey. Like, what? did you think he was good? Did, like, was this some resounding success? They're picking seventh instead of fifth? Like, if like that's a great fucking endorsement of, like, his ability to general manage? But whatever, he's gone. Uh, and it's, it's, it, it is good to see uh, they're moving on and they're embracing the idea of a rebuild like this is what a rebuild is you trade guys like who yeah are still kind of at least thought of to be decent players and you do it in hopes of getting better later and it's a very simple concept but it's one they simply could not grasp for about a decade and now here we are that said like two years from now Granted, he'd need a contract by then, but two years from now, are they going to miss Ivan Provorov? Are they going to be looking for Ivan Provorov nah. in two years? Like, what are we looking for? Like a subpar first pair defenseman? Like, is that what we're going to be a missing? Second, a good second pair defenseman. That's what I believe he actually is. A decent I, second I'm, pair defenseman. I mean, fair, but that's not what he was here, so... I don't know what like, anyone I, is here because the team's fucking horrible. That's it. He I mean, plays half, yeah. He plays half I, the game, so it's on him. Like, he's on the ice yeah. more than anyone. I, I mean, I guess if, like, the Flyers are a disaster in three years, specifically because we don't have a defenseman that can play 25 minutes without completely shitting the bed, like, and I, and also, Ivan Provorov is not a disaster in Columbus, which he very well could be because he's oh, yeah, going to really sure. fucking hate Mike Babcock and it's going to be a delight to watch. Um, like, maybe I might think to myself, ah, eh, you know, it's a shame Provorov didn't work out here. But, like, I don't think at any point I'm going to look back at this trade and think, no, they should not have done that. I, I think to me, like, if we're going to move on to the subject of Ivan Provorov for a second, like, it almost doesn't matter to me whether he thrives in Columbus because if the Flyers had kept him, he was not going to thrive here. It was over. Like, Fair, and I, yeah. I, I don't think, and like I tried as best as I could to report this. I still don't know if like the, the Flyers fan base community at large fully grasped just how much this situation had devolved. But I assure you it had devolved. Like, Provorov did not want to be here. He was sick. And, like, honestly, like, and I'm not an Ivan Provorov fan, but, like, he had some points. It's like, point number one, you guys spent three years trying to get me a half-decent partner, and you did a bad job every single time after the Niskanen trade. Fair point, Ivan. They they shit the bed. Like, their three plans were Phil Myers, who isn't in the NHL right now, Ryan Ellis, who can't play right now, and Tony D'Angelo, who's, like, one of the worst defensive defensemen in hockey. So, like, those were your plans. Like, yeah, I get why Ivan was a little bit like, can anyone do their job well and get me someone I can play with? Number two. No, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, number two. Yeah. Ivan Provorov already dealt with the Ron Hextall retool, 
and now you're telling him he has to sit through another rebuild. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'd rather not do that. I'd rather go to a place that isn't going to be a dumpster fire for the next three to four years. Honestly, I understand that and kind of respect it. Number three, the fit was bad. He did not like John Tortorella. His teammates did not like him. Like, no one wanted him to be here anymore. So, like, the the, the idea that he was just going to miraculously show up next year at camp and be the Ivan Proveroff in Philadelphia from 2019-2020 again, like, maybe he can do that in Columbus. But it wasn't happening here. This situation was too fucked for him to ever bounce back here. It was over. And the fact that all of those things are true, and trust me, those were not like, like, I'm not this, like, I I have all the info and no one else is like, people around the league knew the same stuff I knew. And the fact that he was still able to get a first and a second round pick for Ivan Provorov from another team, despite all of that, speaks to the good job Danny Breer did negotiating, because he did not have a ton of leverage here. And just I mean, from even the, before, I completely sorry. I just completely us. agree with everything Charlie just yeah. said. Like this was not something that was well hidden around the league. Everybody knew what the situation was, and Danny Briere knocked it out of the park. And just from even a, before, just from, just from a hockey standpoint for for, for Ivan Provorov, dude's going to be twenty seven next season. He's been to the playoffs twice, and one of them was the fucking bubble. Like, and it ain't happening here anytime soon. I can see. Just wanting to, like, uh, all personality shit, everything else aside, just being like, can I just go play? I'm capable of playing 35 fucking minutes a night. Let me go somewhere where I can do that. Not to say he's going to do it well or whatever, and I'm not going to say Columbus is that place, but, like, let me get the fuck out of here, you know? Like, I I can see that. It's funny, I... I just realized, are he and Wierenski going to play together, guys who were drafted back-to-back? <laughs> well, they're both lefties. They're both lefties, oh, so yeah. probably not. That's actually one of the things, like, <clears throat> and kind of sticking on this Provorov, like, really talking about him, the player. I think it's possible he could work out in Columbus, but one thing it, that he's going to have to do for it to work out in Columbus is for the first time in years, he's going to have to swallow his ego a little bit. Because Ivan, I got news for you. Zach Wierenski is the is the guy in Columbus. It ain't He's you. better than you. And and like Oh, it's gonna be so good. You are gonna need to accept that. If you're gonna go into meetings and act like you're the best defenseman on that team, like that ain't gonna play well because number one, Wierenski is actually better than you and has a better track record than you. Number two all of the players there like Wierenski. So, like, if he comes in and, and, and like, starts complaining that, like, why is Zach Wierenski getting top pair power play minutes and why am I on the second pair? Like, they're going to be like, well, fuck you, dude. What have you ever done to deserve that? So, Provorov, if, if Provorov wants to bounce back and turn his career around, he's going to have to take a big old look in the mirror this summer and be like, okay, I'm not the guy anymore. I need to be okay with that. And I need to be the best damn second pair defenseman I can possibly be. I need to be the Ryan McDonough to, to Victor Hedman. And if he can accept that, I think he can turn it around. I think he can have a very, very good second half of his career. But if he still has this chip on his shoulder that like, I'm the fucking shit, don't you dare criticize me, then this is going to be as bad as it was in Philly because that's a major problem with his. You it's can... going to be worse because in Philly, there actually wasn't anyone better than him. And yeah. also, 
as much of a dick as John Tortorella is, um, you don't really hear too many players that like actively hate John Tortorella. Whereas Mike Babcock is like an actual monster of a human being. So guys who won cups with him and shit fucking hate him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be you know like, just yeah. like a a, sh- a real chef's kiss for all of us who think that Ivan Provorov is a fucking dickhead and deserves all of this. So it's gonna be a lot I, of fun to watch. I gotta say, like I'm all for guys having an ego. Y- you need a certain swagger to be a high level. You gotta earn athlete. it though. He- but there's a difference between that and straight up delusion. If yes, Ivan Provov yes. is under the impression that he belongs on a power play in the NHL, then he's a fucking delusional maniac. He might be dangerous. Like that's a dangerous level of delusion. If you think you belong on a power play in the NHL, like I, I don't think I belong on a power play in the NHL because I don't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like could have fooled me though. Just, like, <laughs> People need to hear that, like you saying that Ivan Provorov is delusional is something that made us all laugh really hard. That's why we. That's it's why true. We record the video now, so people, so people understand how funny I am. So uh, people can see we are all laughing. Like, that's a dangerous <laughs> all of us level look like of shit, though. So that's, that's <laughs> no. I don't think we're gonna do anything. We have it's, an excuse, though. It's Ten a.m. It's the. We're not. We're not printing this video. It's, Okay. I was it not is very early. We're all in our pajamas. <laughs> I don't even like. I don't have my contacts in yet, and there's wildfire smoke over everything right now. So I think we're excused for not being on camera, in my opinion. So beyond the uh, beyond the Provorov thing about this, man, there was a speaking of smoke, Steph. Excellent segue. There was a whole lot of Carter Hart talk yesterday. Um, now some of it was from like, you know, NHL trades, sources. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm yes, hearing. extremely I'm true. Uh, like, a lot of it was that, but yes. like, I- I'm sure some of it's just straight up fucking made up because that's what you do on the internet. Make shit up. Uh, yes. thanks Elon. Uh, but yes, is there, you know, when we talked, when, when, when Kelly and I talked to Danny it was coming off of his interview on WIP with Sealski and Mac now where he said he'd be open to listening on Carter Hart. And we talked to him and he said, you know, I have to pick up my phone because that's the job. When someone says Carter Hart, when I do answer the phone, I'm not going to hand. I'm not going to hang up immediately was pretty much his answer. It would take a crazy haul but for the most part, he's planning on building around Hart. And now, they're definitely listening. How much of this is gauging the market and how much is interest to actually move on? Because we've talked so many times. Like, there ain't no blueprint for goalie who is not yet 25, who has got about 200 starts in the league and is pretty good. Like, there's no, there's no blueprint for this trade. So you have to find out what the market even is before you go about saying we will or won't trade him. So, so to, to kick this off, I want to be clear that I do, like, here's my read on where the Carter Hart situation stands, okay? I think that there were people out there that use this as a way to gain clout 
not because there was actually a Carter Hart trade ever close. Okay. And I think that there was a perception that was created on Twitter that, oh my God, a Carter Hart trade is close. And it wasn't. Like it like I like I talked to sources very quickly after the Proveroff stuff started coming out that were like, yeah, like a trade's coming. Like there's a few things that still need to be worked out, but it's coming. And then I asked those same people, what about Carter Hart? And they were like, I mean, hey, if something's happening, it's just Danny like doing something behind everybody's back because like we're not aware. And then I talked to people on the other side and it was very much like, look, like I'm not saying it can't happen, but like there's nothing imminent and I don't know where the perception is coming from that it's imminent. So what I will say is that People that are, like, third parties, people that aren't directly involved with, like, either the Flyers or Carter Hart's camp or with other teams that would potentially be interested in Carter, like, people who are more just, like, people in the know in the industry, the perception is definitely out there among them that Carter Hart is ultimately going to be traded this summer. So... I believe that's more where it's coming from that like a bunch of those people like saw that the Flyers are making this big move, saw that they got Cal Peterson or like, here's the Carter Hart thing. That's clearly the next domino when that really was never going to be the case. However, the industry perception can't be ignored because it comes from somewhere. Like these are people that generally are in the know and talk to a lot of people around the league. And it does seem like the feeling among people in the know is that Carter Hart is ultimately going to be moved at some point this summer. But Bill, I agree with you in that there's not a lot of precedent for a trade like this. So this isn't a trade you rush into. This is a trade where you talk to a lot of teams, you figure out what the heck they would be willing to offer, and you try to maximize the offer before you make the final decision as to whether you should actually trade Carter Hart at all. But before you make that decision, like the Provorov deal, for what it's worth, like everyone knew what Provorov's market value was. If you look at all the trades that have happened with big minutes, top four defensemen in the relative primes over the past two, three, four years, it always includes a first round pick. It always includes a second round pick. So like that was Danny Breer's line in the sand. He's like, look, if you want Ivan Provorov, like that's what I'm getting for him. And like if a, if five teams get in the bidding, maybe I'll get more. But like like I'm not trading him for less than that. And I'm gonna find a way to get at least that, or else I'm just not gonna trade him. That was his line. That's not that that doesn't exist for Carter Hart because there aren't comparables for Carter Hart. So Briere, if he's gonna trade Carter Hart, has to determine what the market is for a goalie like Carter Hart because goalies like Carter Hart never get traded because so few goalies like Carter Hart actually exist. So this is gonna take a little while longer. However, based on what I've heard from people in the industry, it sure does seem like they like are very much strongly considering ultimately moving Carter Hart this summer. Man, like, I get it. And if you get a quote-unquote crazy haul, I guess you have to. But fuck, man. Like, you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. They're going to build immediate a team cup. as good. Immediate they're going to build it. They're going to build a team as good as 2010, and some fucking men's league waiver claim is going to be in net for us again. I mean, Michael yeah, Layton's always the, available. Always. He, here's the thing, though. We talk all the time about how we want the Flyers organization to model itself off of teams that build successful organizations year after year. 
one of those in Carolina decided ages ago they don't give a fuck about goaltenders and they'll get a guy and as long as he can stop some puck sometimes they'll be fine congratulations (laughs) the hurricanes are the sixers yeah okay so listen though (laughs) i have all the way talked myself into this being a good idea and here's why so the flyers aren't going to be good for three years at least right like let's say best case scenario three years they'll be good None of us, not a single one of us, knows what the fuck Carter Hart will be under the best circumstances in three years because goalies don't make any sense. Also, Carter Hart has an injury history that's rapidly piling up. That's a fair point. And what if there is some underlying condition with him that it's just going to take one bad stretch across the crease and he becomes to, like, Ron Hector. Totally, yeah. Exactly. To totally fuck his career. That could happen too. Alternatively, he's good for the next couple of years for the Flyers. And then you got to give him a giant Carey Price contract. And then you're stuck with him for eight years. And the Flyers might be good in five and he might be garbage then. But we're stuck with him. Like there are a lot of what ifs that come with a goaltender that I think that if Briere can pull off a trade that makes sense for the Flyers for Carter Hart, and like to be clear, you don't trade Carter Hart just to trade him. Like no. you keep him yeah. or you get a very good trade for him. So if he's able to get a good trade for him, I really don't think well, I think in the short term, people might be like, ah, oh, fuck, this sucks. I do kind of think that if they can make a good trade, ultimately it will be good for the Flyers. I feel like there's a happy medium though. Like there has to be some type of happy medium where they keep Carter Hart and the Flyers are competitive around the same time where we see him hit his peak. Like there is a, a oh, yeah, world a, where that, that could, could work. That could happen too. Do I think it's going to? Absolutely not, because that's not how life works for any of us. But like there is there is a possibility for that fourth option where Carter Hart is good at the same time, good and reliable at the same time that the Flyers are competitive again. But listen to those offers because oh, yeah. that's the only way that this entire team is going to get any better just, in any reasonable amount of time. I'm very torn on the idea. I understand it. And I like it was I can't remember who we were who I was doing the show with, but like, you know, to win in the playoffs it takes a hot goalie and that doesn't mean a great goalie. It just means he's good for a couple of fucking weeks. Jordan Bennington yeah. stinks, you know? He's not good. But look at Aiden Hill right hot. now. Yeah. Look. look at Aiden Hill. Like, like, yeah, Aiden Hill, really? Some guy. Who is Aiden some Hill? Guy. Who is Aiden Hill? I don't know, but he's probably going to win a cup. Yeah. Guy on the street. Aiden I've Hill. never heard of him before. <laughs> who is, who is this guy that's got a whole cheering section behind him every night? Like it's, yeah, it's, it, it just sucks because we thought we finally did it. Like it's we, always the problem we, here, Bill. We as long as I can this, remember, it's we Eagles quarterback this fucking problem. Flyers goalie, I for Philly's closer, and Sixers everything. It's always the friggin' problem. I just hope that Danny Briere isn't using the same trade app as Chuck Fletcher, which I'm still convinced was just an NHL video game trade builder. Chuck Fletcher <laughs> was using Gritty Snacks. Come on now. Gritty Snacks. <laughs> Come on now. He was fucking, like, just playing with an abacus. Um. <laughs> I, I think, going, going back to hard for a second, though, like... Yeah. To me, and I, look, Bill, I'm with you where I'm about 50-50 on, like, should they trade hard, should they not? If they trade them, I'd get it, and depending on the haul, I'd be fine with it. 
If they don't trade him, I'd also understand it. To me, what it boils down to is this. I'm of the opinion that if you execute on a rebuild well, it doesn't have to take that long. Like, I think a well-executed rebuild can be finished in two to three years. I, I, I do not think it has to take seven to eight years. I don't think you have to be, like, scrounging around in the wilderness forever. I think it can be done. And if it can be done like that here, then you don't have to trade Carter Hart because he will still be 26, 27 when the Flyers are good again. And then it's like, well, you didn't, you didn't need to. However... That's goaltender prime. The, the big assumption here is that the Flyers are going to execute the rebuild well. Yes. And, like, yes. the thing is, is that, like, I'm not even saying this in a way where I'm like, well, Danny Briere might suck. Like, we have a one-trade sample size. It was a good trade, so my my confidence level in him is up. But, like, another thing about a rebuild, too, is a lot of it is luck. Like, a lot of yeah. it is, like, you got to get draft lucky picks. with your draft picks. Yeah. You got to stumble You got to stumble into a third-round pick who becomes Braden Point. Like, you got to get, like... Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin in the later rounds. Like, and you know what? Yes, yeah, some of that is skill. Some of that is scouting ability. But a lot of that is like just picking a guy with upside and having him hit his upside like that very few other teams thought he had. So like, yes, if the rebuild is done well, I think Carter Hart can be a part of the next good Flyers team and still be in his relative prime. But you're making a bet on your own ability to do your job well if you keep him. Whereas the safer bet is probably, especially given the fact that this Flyers team for the last five years has been quite possibly the most unlucky franchise in sports. Like, like you're betting on you getting lucky. And I don't know if you can bet on you getting lucky given the fact that you are the Philadelphia Flyers and apparently, like, have, like, offended every single god in existence oh cursed ass franchise right here (laughs) like i I look at that two to three and it's funny because like two to three is the joke and all yeah but but like we've talked about this before you look at the quote-unquote young guys on this team they're not 18 19 they're 24 so like if you're gonna build around these guys or at least have them be major part of this thing it's Carter Hart, a bunch of 25 to 27-year-olds in a few years, and then you're going to have to go buy your stars. Like, that's just a thing that's going to... Unless Carter Gauthier is, like, a fucking superstar, which I think he's good. I don't know if he's going to be Alex Ovechkin or something. Like, I don't know if he's going to... You just well, who is? Write down, write down 50 goals every year. Like, I don't think well, he's going to be that. You Bill, know? I, like, I do think, though, I think part of this, like, if they trade Carter Hart... Part of the reason why they decide they can trade Carter Hart is because they're real high on Sam Erson. Like, I think that factor okay. can't be ignored. Like, do do I think they believe Sam Erson will be better than Carter Hart? No. I mean, I think there are probably some people in the organization that are so high on him that they might think he ultimately will be the better goalie. I don't think that's anywhere near a consensus. But I do think there's a feeling in the organization that Sam Erson is going to be a good starting goalie. And okay. their thought process might be that, like, hey— if we think Sam Erson is going to be a good starting NHL goalie, like, do we really need anything more than that? Especially if we can turn Carter Hart into a high first round pick and like a couple real good young forwards in their early 20s. Like that might be the calculation here. And if you're going to properly execute a rebuild, you should probably trade your best player. Like, okay, yeah. we need, we need, no, like, Kelly brought it up earlier. 
you're going to need a ton of money to give Carter Hart at some point, and you might not be a cup contender at that point. Like, he's an RFA after this season. Someone could come along and offer Sheedon. Like, that's a possibility. And after that, he could just walk in free agency if you don't sign him long-term. Got if that carry gonna, price Speaking contract. of needing money, yeah. didn't we just hear that the cap is going up a million dollars and Ooh, that's it? Yep. Outstanding. Looks like, sounds really? like it. Like unless unless the players decide it. to make some movements with escrow, which it doesn't seem like they are yet. It looks like this is going to be the final year of basically a stagnant cap, and then next year is the year it's finally going to take a jump. 50% escrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like, I, I guess you have to do it because this team's so badly. You don't have to, but you're so, you so badly need assets. Like, the cap space down the line that he's going to eat up and what you could get back for him, you need that money and those potential assets more than you need Carter Hart, I guess is the argument that I can buy. Yeah, yeah. And as I said, I don't think they would necessarily be doing this because, Bill, I think you make a very fair point in that a lot of these guys they have, like the guys they call are calling young, aren't actually that young. And no, I don't like think they would. Players. Yeah, like I don't think that they would be willing to move Carter Hart if they didn't think they had a solid enough backup plan in Sam Erson to jump in and be a useful starter in case the rebuild does work out really well, and they're ready to compete in two to three years. You know what I mean? Like, if they didn't have anybody in the pipeline, I think they would be like, well, like, would be great to be able to sell Carter Hart for a ton of ton of assets, but we just, we can't afford to because we have nothing in the pipeline. They like Urson, and they think Urson can be the guy, like, a guy. Maybe not the guy, but a guy. A guy who's good enough to be the starter on a team that in two to three years is contending for a playoff spot. Let's say that. And so All much right. of it is building that solid defense in front of the goaltender, too. I mean, we talked about Aiden Hill, but part of why Aiden Hill's so good is he has Petrangelo and he has Shea Theodore in there. And if you look back at the 2010 Flyers team, you had a stacked top yeah. four of that defense. Yeah. It helps. And the defense, I mean, the defense is going to need a lot of work. Like, Oh, look, absolutely. Look, we, we, we started out this, hard now. Yeah, but like we started out this talking about the Provorov trade and about how, you know, I think we're all on board. We all think it's a good move. That said, like, by trading Ivan Provorov, like, there are a lot of minutes now you have to fill. And you don't really have anybody who you know can take those minutes and do even decent in them. So, like, this defense is going to be need to be completely overhauled. It is. Yeah. Like, this is just the first oh, yeah. step of rebuilding this defense. Like, Cam York, I think, is a piece. Travis Sanai might be a piece because he just might not be able to trade the guy. Beyond those two, like, beyond those two, like, then you just, you have to figure out the rest. Like, can Igor Zamola, Ronnie Adder, LJ Granz, can they be parts of it? Maybe, but we don't know. Like, Ristolainen, I guess, is around, like, being <laughs> Ristolainen. Like, sure, he's overpaid, but at least this year he showed he can't, he can be, like, better than absolute shit. So, like, he's that's a, a positive. But they need big. at least, to me, they need at least two more, like, legitimate impact defensemen to actually fix this defense. Oh, yeah. Certainly. Um, I completely forget what my next point was going to be, but it probably had something to do with if Danny really wants to impress me, trade Sanheim and or Ristolainen. You know, Ristolainen's worth a first, a second, 
you know, a player. You know, we we, we <laughs> have the baseline for Aristolainen trade too. You know, <laughs> but yeah, the the as much as okay, the minutes. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's 60 minutes in a regulation hockey game, and you have three defensive pairs typically. 2020-20 seems pretty easy to me. Like, you don't have to play somebody 40 fucking minutes. Like, oh, I don't know, Bill. There's no, absolutely do it. no rule I, that says someone has yeah. to play 25 minutes. I mean, I mean, yeah, but, like, do you really want to see Nick Sealer skate for 20 minutes? Last year, Nick Sealer, re- maybe. In a rebuild, John Tortorella sure. does. Yeah. <laughs> In a rebuild, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, in a rebuild, yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about, like, actually being good. Oh, well, Which is why I'm saying, like, if you want to actually be good, you probably, like, all right, let's 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 say that things break right and Cam York becomes, like, a, not let's not say, like, he's, like, a holy shit all-star defensive, but let's say he's, like, you know, a quality number two, number three guy who you can play on your top pair if you have another real good defenseman, like that kind of thing. Then you still need to go out and get that other really good defenseman. And then you probably need another guy who like can also be in the top four and also be real good. So like they're going to need at some point during this rebuild to either go out and trade for a guy like that or draft a guy like that. Like that that needs to be part of this because this defense in my mind, like the forward core... Honestly, like they need a couple, they need a couple impact guys who can like be good playmakers. The defense needs to be completely remade. The defense is fucked. Like it's bad. But I think the forward core, I, think, I, I can envision like where everybody slots. I don't yeah. know where anybody slots on this decor. Like the defense needed revamping anyway, because what you just described, Cam, you're kidding. Like, all right, that's maybe Provorov. Like, yeah. maybe. It like Provorov's ceiling is guy next to a really good defenseman. I think he's a second pair guy personally. After having watched him, yes, he's capable of playing big minutes. He's not all that effective in them. Hasn't been in a couple of years at least. So like, I, I think they needed to revamp the defense anyway. And you you're gonna have to trade for, sign, or draft that number one. One hundred percent. They needed to anyway, though. Right now. Like I'm totally comfortable seeing Nick Sealer play 20 minutes because losing is good again. Like Fair. that's still the that's still the case. Like I don't want to be one of the five worst teams in hockey for a third year in a row, but this is what a rebuild is. I can do it for one more year. Yeah, yeah, I guess. One more I mean, year. If, if, if if they yeah. if they were to be real bad for Can't one more wait. year, I mean, then you're well, then you're talking about like three yeah, straight I, years of top ten picks. Like really, like. That should be enough to to get like a core of legitimate, maybe not stars, but legitimate impact young talent into this organization. If you then make some shrewd trades, you know, get some guys on later picks that end up being a lot better than you expect. Like it really should be enough. Like three straight top ten picks should be enough. Should be enough to at least get you a foundation for the future. Let's just hope one of them top ten picks doesn't have like a migraine issue or something. Hey, oh uh, my god! Uh, why would you say it out loud? Did did we have did we have did we have to did we have yeah, to do Bill, that today to. on all to. days? Yes, on all days. Yeah. The celebration of Provorov <laughs> having to go and actually battle it out with Wierenski in Columbus, and and now we're bringing up Nolan Patrick. We had to. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, R.I.P. 
Because, I mean, like, when Charlie says it requires No, I luck, get it. It's a legitimate like, concern. It's a concern. it requires luck, some things are out of your control. Like, we did a ton of research into that draft. We, we dove deep, man. Ain't nobody thought anybody should go one or two except Heeshear and Patrick. And Nico Heeshear, yep. nice player, good player. Nolan Patrick, yeah, that shame what happened. Nobody thought three, four, and five were going to be fucking all stars, and number four was already basically in the Hall of Fame. Like hey, Bob you know, Clark is coming out of the woodwork to tell coming. you all this revisionist history. Bob Clark has a ton of revisionist history for you, fucking my friend. Bobby Clark, double up on <laughs> Bob knew. Shots. Bob knew that Kale was going to be Kale. Fucking Bobby Clark hasn't used a draft pick in his entire life, but somehow he knew. <laughs> Your Bob Clark, like, Jesus, the guy who traded every pick ever. Oh yeah, this, let me tell you about this draft. You, you fucking don't know what a draft is. Anyway, <laughs> I, like the last person in the, I think I'd rather Chuck Fletcher over Bob Clark. No, no, because no. at least Bobby, Bobby did dumb shit, but he was like trying. He did Chuck almost Fletcher kill the star player. Vac- <laughs> yeah, he, he was trying. Uh, Chuck was just on vacation. You know, Chuck was just, this was a fun little. Uh, hey, let me just tear the C off this jersey on national just television. Like, he's got, he's got a deflated lung. I would prefer Daniel Breer. Yeah, because right now he hasn't disappointed me yet, and I think that's important. I'm His first trade. Him that. He has a disappointment. Right, Daniel. Danny Breer. No, he's Danny. Right, right now, Breer does. Breer has a one hundred percent success rate. He really should just retire. Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. Approval rate. That has not happened before. Ten thousand, baby. <laughs> the best general manager in uh, the league. Let's all do get up on our knees and uh, do that super punch up in the air. I have a random question. Okay. That I don't know if anyone else thinks that this is a. Do you oh, think wow. it's possible that they could package twenty two and seven and trade up? It, Probably not. I mean, it, is is it possible? So like, like yeah. But they could get to like five, yeah. Like yeah. I, they're not, they're not getting into that that big, like the big nah. three or big four or whatever. I just can't see it. They're, the picks are nah. just could too. Carter valuable. Hart, they're too could good. Carter yeah. Hart get you into like four? Yeah, but why? Why would another rebuilding team want a goalie that won't fit their timeline for rebuild? Maybe they're delusional. The reason the Flyers are stupid. trading them. <laughs> they're very stupid. <laughs> Got to yeah, take advantage of think, the very stupid. Maybe. Maybe they think they're a lot closer than they are. <laughs> Maybe they have some oh good young players. Now listen, I know we haven't done the 2022 awards yet, but can Danny Briere, can we start betting on him to win the 2023-24 award for best general manager? Don't jinx it, driver. Let's not get crazy. It's it's too soon. It's, it's too, too soon. soon. Too Kelly, jinxy. Kelly, you weren't you the one who started this podcast out saying Cupper Bust? No, I mean, listen, I'm still saying it, but also I know better than to tempt the gods. How is that not tempting the gods? We're cursed, guys. It doesn't matter. We're cursed. It doesn't matter what we do. I've never claimed to be logical once in my life. Cursed us all by kicking the league's ass, and that's we are where we are. (laughs) My trade scenario, Montreal's at five anyway. That was the team I was thinking maybe thought they were a little further along than they actually are. Mm -hmm. But that's only yeah. five. So Hey, listen, they've got a great goalie contract over there. <laughs> yeah, you can always figure a way out of these things. Does oh, anyone yeah. uh no. 
Does anyone have anything else on this or on uh, Pro V or Heart? No. no. Bye, bye, uh, bye. How excited are we to be going up to the fucking swamps of Jersey, baby? Stadium series in the Meadowlands? Baby, we're going home. This is where <laughs> Step Driver is from. We're going home, baby. I'm so excited because I get to stay with my dads when I go and watch. Everyone come to the Driver family house. It will be chaos and it will be, it will smell like manure because that's what New Jersey smells like up that way. Beautiful. North Jersey. In reality, I don't care at all. But as my Flyers fan, like, oh my God, I'm so excited. It makes no, there's no rationale for me to be this excited, but I am. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm sure it'll be neat when we're up there, but like, it it didn't move the needle for me at all personally right now because the team's going to be bad and they're probably going to get throttled by the Devils because the Devils are real good. That said, like, like that, those environments are always fun. Like it's always fun. So I'm sure it'll be fun when I'm there covering it. In my Steph Driver, get on the phone with fans of Philly after this show and see if we can get a bus. <laughs> Let's fucking go. That's the only way but I'm what going if up. We just do it ourselves. We get the bus. That's the only way I'm going up. Otherwise, I in my don't experience, want no part of this. the baseball stadiums Kelly, we will are talk. We're going to do it ourselves. Stadiums. Like, football stadiums are just kind of soulless. Like, it was cool when they did the link because it's ours. And the Eagles <laughs> but I think the, the football stadiums have better sight lines. Like, I, yeah. Like, there's just more. It just makes more sense where you put the rink and everything because it's right. like, you know. But no, I, I totally agree with you. Like, Citizens the Bank Park and Fenway just, were super yeah, cool. Like, ballparks just have more personality than football fields because, like, they're all exactly the same. Uh you know, Fenway, that's like an historic place. Citizens Bank Park is cool looking. Like when they went to Pittsburgh, it sucked. Like you're just in a building. Like, okay, it's, it's kind of cold, kind of shitty. I'm in Pittsburgh. It's like driving to fucking Canada, basically. Uh, I will say they did a great job at the link back in 2019. Like uh, they, it was the way they cool. did up that and place it's was ours, really cool. So it's cool. Yeah. yeah. But I thought they just um, did a great job designing the whole thing. So how about that Simone Gagne? Assistant coach for them, Quebec Ramparts, wins the memorial. Good for Cup. Simone. Ooh, I'm happy for Quebec. Simone. Is he when still is handsome? he? Of course. When is he going to become one of Torts' assistants? That's my only. Yeah. You know. Do it when, tomorrow. When do we get this? in two years? When do we get when this? someone steals Brad? I, I, I mean, us. I'm curious if if the Flyers are going to try to like Torts is going to try to nab Brad Larson, the guy who was. One of his protégés in Columbus, who became the head coach after, um, you know, after Tortorella was fired slash relieved of duty slash mutually agreed upon that everyone was sick of his shit. Um, Larson <laughs> just recently got fired. I kind of wonder if they're gonna try to find a spot for him. That said, like they already have a full coaching staff, so I don't know how they would find that spot. But just something to keep an eye on because it just seems like something Torts would be advocating for. Do we have anything else? Any uh, other pressing issues? I don't really care to talk about the Stanley Cup final. Looks like that's over. Um, that's been such I, a bummer. It's not over yet. If Florida wins game three, it's a series again. Like, yeah. it just, if they lose game yeah. three, it's fucking I over. Just, yeah. A team, I, like, I think it was just very obvious. Like, team riding hot goalie momentum gets weak off. What's going to happen? I know. He's not the same. He's not the same. I'm shocked. Like, just kind of one of them things. Uh, All right. 
We are having a draft party oh, yes, on the night of the NHL draft. It is a Wednesday night, June 28th. 28. There you go. You got Thank there, you. driver. Gotta love the league's time. Thank you. That. We got there at the end. We're going to start at 6 o'clock. It's going to be at Sports and Social in the Xfinity Casino down near Citizens Bank Park, down near the Wells Fargo Center. And I've heard a rumor that there might be a big, giant, orange, fuzzy thing Why in would attendance. you call me that? <laughs> You're not air. orange, my love. You're not orange. We haven't we haven't started self tan season yet. We're not there yet. (laughs) Furthest thing from a giant. I've heard that Gritty might once again be in attendance. So there will be one local celebrity and Gritty at this party. That was that was for Kelly Hinkle, not for Bill Matz. But you know, take your pick. Uh, we won't have Charlie. Uh, draft we- party. Anyway, show up. It's going to be a ton of fun. Food, drinks, by clear beverages. We're going to have a lot of fun. Make sure that you're there. Uh, Charlie will be doing that whole journalism thing that he does on the side. Um, yeah, I'll be in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> oh, darn. I may also be in be Nashville crashing say, in you, Charlie's hotel are room. Are you going to be there, Steph? What's your deal? You coming to the party? Um, I will either be in Philadelphia or Nashville, undecided which one right, yet. We'll, come, we'll see what my health is doing. Come to the draft party. You know, Nashville can't possibly be okay. good for you. You got to get out of the South. Like, we got we, we to gotta get you out of the South. I know. I need to get above the Mason-Dixon line for my health. <laughs> all right. Uh, are we done? Is that it? Yes. All right. We're done. And that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey today. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. You know the whole deal. Broad Street Hockey, wherever you find your podcasts and content, baby. And uh, five, five, five. Five star oh, right. reviews, yes. please. Right. We are dying for five star reviews, especially as we've gone independent. Please, if you like what we have to say, give us some five stars. You don't have to write good words. Just five stars would really appreciate it. Thanks, We don't everyone. ask. We threaten. You're gonna give us. God damn it! You're give going, us those five stars, or we will hunt you down. You're going to give us five star reviews. We give you a lot of free shit. All right, we're throwing parties for you, getting gritty. You know, we're trying to get a bus up to goddamn the Meadowlands. Just give us a five star review. All right, that's it. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Steph, for Steve, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah.